the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have got an ode to Jackie Chan for y'all. Uh, really excited about this one. Jackie Chan, one of the greatest action heroes, not just action heroes, but like real action martial arts movie guys in the history. Like In my, in, in my head, he's probably the best film martial artist that we've ever had. Now, a lot of people might, you know, blast on me and say like, oh, Bruce Lee this and Bruce Lee that. But like, maybe Bruce Lee was a better fighter. Maybe he wasn't. I don't really know. But when it came to the art of film, yeah, I think Jackie Chan nailed it better than anyone else in the martial arts world. Yeah. I mean, I the one thing I love about Jackie Chan is um, the way he does his fights. I mean, yes, it's basically choreography. I mean, it is. Like, it's why they call it fight choreography. It's a dance. Mm-hmm. and and But there's a reason that he's so good at it is because he treats it as to as to what it is which is choreography like a dance and on top of that and i'll probably mention this but he does this throughout all of his stuff whenever he's in a, in a fight scene it's not him dominating the scene all the time yep it's not him beating everyone up and nobody being able to touch him he gets hurt you know he gets hit he gets knocked down he gets all these things which put him into different uh, situations and how he gets out of those situations is what makes him a great film martial artist yeah absolutely um i want to call out like uh, this this is something i watched a long time ago unfortunately this is a um a a youtube channel that is no longer active and i really wish it was because this the film school nerd in me really appreciated this one check out the channel called every frame a painting specifically this guy has a episode has an episode called jackie chan how to do action comedy it's a fantastic little breakdown of like how he does his scenes and whatnot and, and it was really special in in my opinion also about jackie chan one obviously he does all of his own stunts, mostly, mostly, not yeah. not every single one. I can actually kind of tell a little bit in this movie today that we're that we're talking about a couple times. That was definitely not him, mm-hmm. um, I think. But most of it is all Jackie Chan. Most of it, you know, is is him kind of putting himself out there. Obviously, him doing his own martial arts and fight scenes, which means they can do things with the camera that other martial arts or action shows and movies that has a stunt person can't do so like you can keep the camera on jackie for like the entire thing you can stay on a wide shot and do these big choreographed things because you're not having to make fast cuts to Mm -hmm. try and you know trick the the watcher to be like oh this is all one person even though you can kind of tell the different looks is no this is just jackie and you can do these these awesome choreographed um fight scenes as you called it and you can do them all in one shot or all in like big wides that you just can't do with other stuff, and so it's it's really impressive. Um, I haven't even <laughs> haven't even brought up what we're talking about. Obviously, <laughs> we're talking Jackie, Jackie Chan. So um, we're gonna do one of his big. Well, I guess the movie that I would say really blew him up in uh, the the Western audience. Yeah, at least now he he had some ones before this. So we're gonna talk uh, the 1998 film Rush Hour. And then we are going to talk the uh, cartoon from 2000 to 2005, Jackie Chan Adventures. And then we're going to do a casting of Jackie Chan Adventures into a live action movie using uh, actors of today. There is There are some kind of rumors if they're going to do a 
Rush Hour Four. I don't know. Maybe not. Really? We'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think Jackie Chan squashed those, but <laughs> it keeps kind of coming up every year. You know that they might do another. But yeah, um, so I'm, I'm excited about this one. I, I own um, a few Jackie Chan movies. I have uh, Rush Hour. I have Rumble in the Bronx, mm-hmm. First Strike, and uh, Legend of Drunken Master. And the guy, he he's awesome. So he's definitely one of my all time favorite um, film martial artists. And so I'm, I'm, it's really it's really cool to be doing this one. Yeah, I'm excited. I I I've loved Jackie Chan. I think I actually did see. Rumble in the Bronx before Rush Hour mm-hmm. came out, so it, yep. Rush Hour was not my first introduction to Jackie Chan. Yep, me. Uh, however, he's so much fun to watch. He takes the action comedy thing to uh, to another extreme, which makes him very like he makes him very likable and and very mm-hmm. you know something where you can you can sort of he never he never I don't know, I never see him really play an asshole of any kind. So <laughs> he's always playing a, a really nice guy, someone you really want to root for. So yeah. He's he's the Tom Hanks of martial arts <laughs> yes. movies, I would say. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Uh, Rumble in the Bronx, I think, came out in '95, and First Strike came out in 2000 or '96. Uh, so those were ones that I think we both saw before Rush Hour. But not unless you're like into action movies, you probably didn't watch those. Rush Hour is one I think almost everybody has seen that one. Oh yeah. Well, when Rush Hour came out, John, it was 1998. How about you bring us back to that fantastic year? All right. So the movie came out on September 18th, 1998. Uh, no surprise, uh, the Billboard Top 100 single of that week, which I think had been going on for a few weeks, in attachment to another movie that came out around this time, uh, which was, and I think one that we've actually mentioned before, which is Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. Yeah, that was a huge song. I, I At one point, I felt the song was even bigger than the movie. Yeah, yeah I agree. So. Um, I actually had a hard time finding the Nielsen ratings for that particular week. For some reason, after like halfway through 96, the Nielsen ratings are hard to find, okay. which is really weird. Um, however, top in the ratings for the year is probably one that everyone was watching at that time, which is ER. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is interesting. Seinfeld ended in 98, so I'm kind of shocked that it didn't have, like, some really big, big killer ratings at that one. But ER, ER was ridiculously huge. I mean, you had The Kloon. You had uh, a whole bunch of other uh, – who else? Oh, my, Eric, Eric Lass – not Eric Lassalle, Eric LaSalle, um, that fantastic actor from uh, Coming to America. Man, we should do a – we should do uh, Coming to America and ER together. Just an Eric LaSalle episode. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe we can think of something better to go with coming don't, to America. Don't, let's but. not tie in episodes with obvious actors. Let's use yeah. the obscure ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, the New York Times bestseller for that week was Rainbow Six by Tom Clancy. Okay, which I, I, I never. I've read okay. that one. It's a good book. Oh, God. you said book, and in my head, I still went to the video game. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I didn't really play that video game, but it was popular. But yeah, okay. No, yeah, that, that, that video too. game did come out for I think till like the two thousands, probably. Um, and vi- speaking of video games, uh, the arcade game that came out 
that month uh, was one that really didn't take off, I think, until the 2000s, but was introduced in 1998, and that was Dance Dance Revolution. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that that obviously, with later iterations, just took off and went went huge. I mean, I, I know some people who are ridiculous at that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I'm, I don't have that kind of energy. Mm-hmm. I would be the guy, like, sitting on the floor, like, using my hands. Yeah, exactly. Instead of my feet. <laughs> You'd probably actually kill it with that one, you know, because, yeah, because you're as a percussionist, that makes much more sense. Yep. Got quick hands. Um, And uh, kind of a little fact, and um, I'll end up kind of on a positive note. Um, We a long time ago, feels like a long time ago, I think it was about a year ago, uh, we had a wonderful guest named Blahim DeBurka. Mm-hmm. On who is from Ireland. And in earlier in that year, we saw the Good Friday Agreement in Ireland, which was between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Which was actually, I found out when I was touring there, um, was actually um, instigated by Bill Clinton. Okay. Which is why Bill Clinton is so revered in Ireland, because he he brought about the peace between the Northern Irish and the Republic of Ireland. Well, that's a, that's a really awesome thing to see or, or hear, you know, because a lot of times you give some like weird or some uh, some bad stuff, and there were some really difficult things with um, between Ireland and Northern Ireland, and glad to know that in 98 things got patched up a little bit. There we go. That was 1998. All right. Well, we are going to kung fu fight our way to Rush Hour. Rush Hour from 1998. This movie spawned two sequels, one that came out in 2001, one that came out in 2007. As I said, we may or may not get a fourth. I don't think so, but it keeps kind of popping up every now and then um, as a discussion point. There actually was a short-lived TV series on CBS called Rush Hour that was like a 13... It only lasted 13 episodes. You know, like the, how they kind of rebooted a lot of, I don't know, of older shows and movies. Like they're, they're doing another... Hawaii Five O for a while yeah. now. They've got another, um, I think, a, a new Magnum PI. They've got a new MacGyver and all that kind of stuff. So they, at, at one point, I think it was two thousand six ish. I don't remember when this was, uh, but it was. Uh, they had a, a short-lived Rush Hour show on CBS. It was actually developed by Bill Lawrence, the guy who did Scrubs. Oh yeah, and Cougar Town and other stuff. So this movie was directed by Brett Ratner, who Brett Ratner unfortunately did X-Men The Last Stand, which is what I think he's a lot known for, uh, which is a pretty piss-poor movie. But he also did Red Dragon, which was okay, Money Talks, which is also with Chris Tucker, and he's done tons of music videos. He actually, I think, might be more of a music video director than anything else. Uh, We'll talk about the cast next. So Lee was played by Jackie Chan. Um, I don't really need to talk about more about (laughs) Jackie Chan. He's freaking awesome. Carter was played by Chris Tucker. You probably know Chris Tucker from, if not from Rush Hour, from Fifth Element, from yeah. Friday. Um, Ruby Rod. Oh, my God. Yeah, Ruby Rod. I, I, I get very excited whenever we get to the Fifth Element. Yeah. we might. I might need to ask our sister. To, I know she is a big fan of Fifth Element as well. She That might be a good one to get bring her back on the show. Okay. Griffin is played by Tom Wilkinson. He's one of those actors that I, I can almost guarantee everybody has seen him and they know what he looks like. They just may not know his name. Yeah. Uh, but he's... Tons of credits. He's been in Grand Budapest Hotel, Full Monty. Um, I loved him in Rock and Rolla. Uh, he's been in Shakespeare in Love. He's been in just tons of stuff. Great actor. Great. And just, he's just, yeah, just one of those guys who's in more things than you realize. The uh, Nolan Batmans as well, I think, right? Oh, yeah, I think yeah, you're he, right. He plays the main gangster. Head yeah, gangster yeah, guy. yeah. 
He does. He does in one of the. Yep. Uh, and then Sang uh, was played by Ken Lung, and he was in also X Men: The Last Stand. He was also in in the short lived show Inhumans. He was in Lost. He was in plenty of stuff. Yeah, so he's a good actor. I liked him in this one. He's he's pretty intimidating in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Johnson uh, with the LAPD was played by Elizabeth Pena, and we know her. Yeah, we love her from love, um, Lone Star. What'd you say, John? I would just say I love Elizabeth Pena. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, um, she passed away. I think 2016, something like that. Somewhere around the time. Yeah, she's only like 55, so that's a unfortunate loss there. She's yeah. a great actress. And then Mark Ralston. We've talked about Mark Ralston in multiple things. I just want to call him out. He's he's Drake from Aliens. Um, he is uh, Boggs from Shawshank Redemption, and he is um, one of the FBI agents in this one. Yeah. Kind of a dick. He, he plays. A, he's good at playing a dick. <laughs> he is, but he's <laughs> yeah. so good at it. Yeah. Uh, music. Was composed by uh, Lalo Schifrin, uh, which I wanted to call out Lalo Schifrin um, because uh, he's done all of the Rush Hours. He also did the the movie Class of 1984. I only wanted to call that out because you know go check out uh, P- uh, Podcasting After Dark's episode where they talked about Class of 1984, which is kind of a you know very low budgety cult movie. Hmm. And in Podcasting After Dark. They love cult movies, um, but Lalo Schifrin is best known as the person who wrote the theme song for Mission Impossible. The one from the 60s? The classic, from the classic TV show, Lalo Schifrin wrote that wow. theme song, and then it, it just stayed with, like, every iteration of Mission Impossible has yeah. used that theme song because it's that huge. But yeah, he he wrote that. Wow. Very cool. I didn't realize he was, he'd been in for that long. Yeah. Wow, good for him. Cinematography was done by Adam Greenberg. Um, I don't always call out the cinematographers, but I, I liked what uh, was on this guy's resume, including Terminator, Terminator 2, Turner and Hooch. Toys, which is a fantastic Robin Williams movie. Mm-hmm. I hope we get to eventually Sister Act, which is an awesome, hilarious Whippy Goldberg movie. A bunch of others. And his last feature film that he uh, was the cinematographer on was Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's pretty funny. Um, and then I also don't typically call out the editor, but I love editors. And so I wanted to mention um, Mark Helfrick who was the editor on this one, because he edited some other really good action movies. So I think it's very fitting that he also did Rush Hour. He edited Predator, which is in you know one of my favorite action movies of all time. Yeah. Um, action Jackson, <laughs> which is uh, uh, that Carl Weathers movie. He also edited The Last Boy Scout, which is a Bruce Miller. I think it's an underrated Bruce Willis action movie. I think it's a pretty damn good one. Hmm. Uh, also edited all of the other Rush Hour movies. And then the two recent Jumanji movies, which are a lot of fun. Oh, nice. Uh, all right, so let's get into the actual breakdown of the movie, and we start by seeing some shady shit going down at the Hong Kong docks. Lee infiltrates the operation. Uh, he's looking for this guy named Jun Tao. He runs into Sang, who is kind of the, the henchman. Um, I just I love the look. They 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 give him they they give Ken Lung those uh, like the bleach hair. Yeah, but he's just he he looks menacing, and his demeanor is perfect in this movie. Yeah, I, I agree. call it out. Sung runs away. We get a good little chase scene from Lee. 
just overall some good that that good Jackie Chan accent action, but Sang eventually ends up escaping right here. Uh, we then meet Griffin, who is this British businessman who's talking with uh, the Hong Kong consulate named Han. We also meet uh, adorable little Sue Young, who's very friendly with uh, Jackie Chan's character Lee. You know, they kind of have a a nice friendly relationship, um, and she is the the um, consulate's daughter. Yeah. Just, just some more setup on that. Uh, we cut to L.A., and Carter is uh, doing the sting operation, so Chris Tucker's kind of doing his stuff. He's trying to buy the, C- the C4 off of this uh, this one dealer, who I recognized immediately as Chris Penn. A lot of people, uh, I, I would imagine people should know who Chris Penn is. He's the younger brother of Sean Penn. He did pass away back in 2006. Yeah. Um, he was in Reservoir Dogs. That's probably what I know him best from. He was also in Footloose. I loved him in Footloose. He was Willard, yeah. like the the skinny, awkward guy. You know that that chicken race. God, we got to get to Footloose. We got to get to a lot of movies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I love me some Chris Penn. But I think his life kind of went eh, a little down and kind of onto an unfortunate drug yeah. situation for him. Yeah. But these two street cops then kind of get in the way and and kind of accidentally interfere with the, the sting that uh, Carter's doing. I like how Carter just kind of turns and punches the dealer, and he's, like, trying to, like, get them to leave. And he's like, come on, guys, just just get out of here. It's okay. Because <laughs> he can't tell them, hey, I'm a fucking cop, but leave me be. Um, but then Chris Penn ends up, like, shooting the, shooting the cops, and Carter has a whole kind of chase thing down with him. And Carter shoots at him as he's driving away, and Chris Penn rolls out of the car, and Carter shoots the trunk, and it blows up. And then we get a fantastic little Chris Tucker MJ dance <laughs> while while an MJ song plays. And that MJ song is called Another Part of Me. Yeah! I had my kids watch this movie with me. Okay. Not remembering how many curse words were actually in it. <laughs> Oh my God! I with you. They said shit a lot. Yeah, <laughs> which I completely <laughs> forgot about. So, just spoiler alert: if you have kids, you definitely need to wait till they're teenagers before you show, show this to them. Yeah, yeah. This is a PG thirteen movie, and I think it's probably a pretty accurate rating yeah. for this one. Just as it has much as the the foul language is, and there's some action, and there's some death and things like that. So it's like. Yeah, your kids, which are not teenagers yet, yeah. <laughs> I can I can totally see you being like, "Ooh, good, sorry." <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, but yeah. this this was the first part where I think my daughter was a little bit invested in the movie because she she liked after this she liked Chris Tucker because oh, she, she thought he was funny. After the, okay, I, was, I wasn't sure. Did she like shit blowing up? Because I no, can see your daughter. Your daughter can be a destructive person. <laughs> no, no, no. She liked him dancing. Yeah, every he every time he danced, she that was the funniest thing to her. Oh, nice. Uh, at the uh, Chinese consulate in L.A., Han gets uh, an eerie phone call. Then, you know, just, just kind of setting up like, okay, what's what's going down? And then we get, I don't know, this is one of the most adorable scenes. And I always forget about the scene until I'm watching this movie. <laughs> but it's when Sue Young is singing Mariah Carey in the car with the, with the bodyguards. <laughs> I 
I mean, I'm like dying watching this, and she can't sing. You know, she's way off pitch. Right. And the the bodyguards are just like, uh, you know, you know, they're <laughs> they can't stand it, but they can't stop it because no. she's the daughter. Yeah. Of the consulate, but it's just. It's awesome. It's so, God, it's so 1998, like Mariah Carey and that song and oh, all yeah. that stuff. But Sang shows up dressed as a cop and these bad guys end up getting to the car. And, you know, he they, they kind of do this ruse as police officers and stop the car. Sang goes up to it dressed up and he talks to the driver. And I do like this line here where, where the driver's like, Is there a problem, officer? No problem. Just rush hour. I'm like, ba-bam, name of the movie. <laughs> Good job. Got to throw it in there somewhere. Yep. It made, see, it all makes sense now. Why was it called Rush Hour? You know what? Boom. Here's the thing. I always wonder, was, with, a mo- with a movie like this, was the title created first and then they had to work the title into the script or did they just pull it randomly out of? Yeah. Because yeah, I, Rush mm-hmm. Hour really makes no sense for <laughs> the theme no, of the movie. Were, agreed. You know, this this... It, it re, yeah, you're you're so right. There's no real reason why Rush Hour, other than it just you know it's a cool sounding one, and maybe that that's obviously it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I am curious in the writing process if they really just you know had an untitled or a working title the entire time, and then once they got it, they went through and was like, oh, that's a cool line. Let's just call it Rush Hour. That sounds cool. <laughs> because you know you could have called it I don't know I don't know I, whatever. Yeah. A, da- a date with the consulate's daughter. And now <laughs> something like that. You know, Carter and Lee or something like that. You know, yeah. like Tango and Cash or something. But no, that the, but it works so well. So anyway, um, they kidnap Sue Young. We see some feds, one of them including Mark Ralston. They're talking to the consulate who insists that he brings one of his cops to help with the investigation. In fact, he already says, man, he's out here. here. He's flying right now. So he's going to be part of it. Which we know from the previous scene that's connecting, it's Jackie Chan. So we cut to Carter at the uh, station talking smack talk. Just uh, Chris Tucker. <laughs> Love me. Like I don't know if there's, I, I don't know if there's been a single scene I haven't liked him on film. Mm-hmm. Of all the movies, his energy and just, you know, he's super cocky. He's super in everything. He's yeah. super funny in everything. And he just plays that so well. I just, his character of himself or, you know, his character of all, whatever, you know, how he's acting is just, yeah. it's fantastic. We meet Johnson, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Pena's character. The the federal agents, they don't want to work with this Hong Kong guy. So they want to kind of give, you know, him the runaround. And why waste the FBI's time? Let's give it to the LAPD to screw with it. So... The uh, police chief assigns Carter, Chris Tucker's character, to basically be the uh, babysitter. Well, thank you to be a ba- exactly <laughs> to be a babysitter for him. Carter meets Lee at the airport, and we get one of so many <laughs> quotable and memorable lines when they're together, like right here from the start, where Chris Tucker, you know, being a bit ignorant, uh, <laughs> just you know, obviously looks looks uh, right at. Uh, at Lee and is like, do you speak any English? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> like shit, that is just it's perfect. You know, <laughs> it's I don't know. It, it's it's interesting seeing it come from the t- a t- more twenty twenty eye. Yeah, where that stuff you know is, is is I mean it's ignorance. There's there's no other way around it. Yeah, but it still is funny, and I think it probably helps that it's not coming from. Uh, just a straight white guy. 
you know, it, it's helpful from it's at least from um, some other type of uh, minority that that understands the ignorance, I think, a little bit yeah. more. I also think it helps that the way that it's sort of portrayed, it makes Chris Tucker look ignorant as opposed mm-hmm. to it being uh, uh, degrading towards Jackie Chan. It's yeah. just showing the ignorance of the character. Yeah. Of yeah. Chris Tucker's character, not Jackie Chan's character. Absolutely. Uh, but Chris Tucker is uh, – Carter is pissed, you know, just from – he's got to deal with this dude. He This dude doesn't even speak English. It doesn't seem – um, and pretty much everybody at the LAPD is laughing at him, like on the phone as he's complaining about it. It's just kind of funny. Uh, he takes Lee, <laughs> just kind of, kind of racisty. Uh, takes Lee straight to Grauman's Chinese Theater, uh, and you get and you get the, that kind of humor where exactly the ignorance, but the ignorance does play. It's basically like a throwback onto his own character, just being yeah. like, "Wow, you're ignorant," but it's just funny. Which he actually kind of goes there to try and get some info from a snitch at the theater but in this time lee ditches him uh we kind of get a nice little chase scene as carter has to run down this bus and as he does that lee then escapes from there by hanging on a hollywood sign uh you know they get a nice little chase scene and then at the end of it they have a nice little gun standoff you know right outside of a cab Uh, then the cabbie kind of pulls a gun on them of course (laughs) which is ridiculous Yeah, uh, and then because if if that was New York, I think that would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. But it'd be in L.A. Not guns aren't as well. I'm sure they're not as big in New York either. But it just it just seems like. But anyway, yeah. ridiculous. But then that's where uh, Lee shows that he can speak English. And obviously, Carter's a little surprised by it. <laughs> so while they're kind of back in the car, Lee starts playing the Beach Boys uh, in uh, on uh, Carter's radio, and it hits a really sweet like old school vet. Yeah, I noticed that was a really sweet ass car. But another great line that I think a lot of people were quoting after this movie, and and uh, where he where Carter tells Lee, the Beach Boys are great American music. The Beach Boys gonna get you a great ass whooping. Ever touch a black man's radio, boy? Carter <laughs> then takes Lee to this dive bar. Well, but really, it's just kind of like a ruse to try and really kind of look good in front of him to get some information and talk to uh, his cousin, which is just it's a funny, funny kind of set up um, bait and switch kind of a thing of that whole that whole dive bar. And, and really, all he gets out of that is that there's this new guy in town who's buying up a whole bunch of stuff. Basically, He's just buying up everything. So the the cousin was played by a guy named Clifton Powell, who, if I'm remembering correctly, give me one second. I want to say we just talked about in three ninjas he was he was in three ninjas he was the other fbi agent oh okay who was always completely... partnered with the father uh yeah I, I barely barely i mean i i've recognized clifton powell because he's been in tons of stuff i probably remember him best from ray ray he was great in ray yeah i just kind of forgot he, he was kind of on the side in uh, Three Ninjas. Yeah, and I only caught it because every time we watch a movie, I'll I'll look through an entire casting list, and I yeah. remembered his name coming up. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean he's he's a he's a really strong like side character actor. So uh, while Carter is talking with Clifton Powell's character, uh, Lee gets into some trouble um, because he's at the bar, and you know he heard. This is a little bit of ignorance on his side, yeah. where he heard uh, Chris Tucker saying, you know, what's up, what up, my N, to a whole bunch of other people as he walks in. As he can say that, he's Chris Tucker, but Jackie Chan says that, just thinking it's a colloquialism or whatnot, mm-hmm. probably not understanding it. And 
obviously the people at the bar are not happy with it so we get a whole <laughs> bar scene bar fight scene because of that but again just great great Jackie Chan fighting and action and choreography with all that Carter and Lee then go to like this little convenience store where Carter uh, handcuffs Lee to the to the steering wheel to try and like make sure he doesn't leave again but uh, of course he does end up escaping. He t- kind of takes the wheel with him and heads out while Carter's uh, talking to the the dude in there. I don't know why this makes me laugh, but we that one scene, whenever he handcuffs him and he's like, you're not the only one who has quick hands. Wah! You ain't the only one with quick hands, are you? Wah! Yeah, he does exactly that little <laughs> so, sound. That little sound makes me laugh every time. So Lee, you know, he escapes and he goes to the consulate because that's where he's been trying to get so he can see Han and, and, you know, start getting on this investigation. But, of course, the consulate is guarded and they think he might uh, – the guards might think he might be with the person who kidnapped Sue Young. Uh, and so we have to have he, – he has to Jackie Chan his way in. And, and he does. And it's just awesome. And, you know, at this point, I'm like, damn, this is making me want to watch other Jackie Chan movies right now. <laughs> Because this is this is has like hints of that, but this isn't full Chan. Yeah, and I kind of having just some of these glimpses, which are great, makes me want to go to a full Chan movie. And, and and that being said, I'm just getting some like glints of Chris Tucker here. I want to go to a full Tucker movie too. Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, granted, but they're great together. Yeah. So uh, Carter eventually comes to the consulate as well. Uh, oh well, I, I want to mention with Jackie Chan fighting his way into the consulate with Lee fighting his way into the consulate. He has the the wheel in his hand, handcuffed to his hand the whole time. And it just adds to some of that other extra great comedy action that's happening. Like yeah. that's the kind of stuff that Jackie Chan does better than anyone else. Yeah. Where he's always he's always got like some kind of hindrance or he has to deal with some certain things. But he figure, figures out how to make these just random objects and put them into his action you know, better, better than anyone. And so it's, it's super fun to watch. As I mentioned, Carter comes to the console as well. At one point he just kind of picks up the phone and it happens to be the perfect time when Sang calls. I didn't hear a ring or anything. It was just perfect. But anyway, um, and he gets the details of a drop, uh, to, to get Sue Young, uh, or, or, you know, or he's getting some details about what they want to do for that. And it's just a funny back and forth. Chris Tucker being funny with this dude, and the FBI traced the call, but surprise, it's a trap. The SWAT team that went in to, to try and get Sang uh, blows up. And then we have a nice little Lee uh, chase scene and fight scene with Sang. And they end up kind of, uh, and then him and Chris Tucker end up kind of falling down this wooden bridge. That's kind of up in the rafters of this one little area. As they're kind of falling down or as they're, you know, hit the ground and they're, you know, just kind of. I guess in pain or whatnot. Another good back and forth mm-hmm. between Carter and Lee, uh, basically where Chris Tucker's like, "Why you didn't tell me about the bridge?" I did. No, you didn't. I did. No, you did not. I said, "Stop." I don't understand what you be saying. What? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Stuff like that. It's just his quick talking and and just everything about their dynamic is really firing on all cylinders for me. Yeah. Sang dropped something. In a while during that chase, which Carter takes to Johnson to tell him about it, and it's apparently it's a C4 component or C4 trigger. So Carter, you know, having that connection to C4 
at the beginning that where he where we first met him, uh, he goes to the prison to talk to Chris Penn. I do love. I want to mention out on the way, you know, into the prison to talk to him. He Chris Tucker talks with his prison guard, and he has this wonderful back and forth where he's like, "Man, let me talk to him. I got you this job. I tur- I turned my head when you bought that weed, and the guy was like, "I was spending it with you." <laughs> and I just I was just laughing. So they get a little bit a little bit of information out of. Uh, Chris Penn's character about this uh, June Tao, and that obviously sparked something in Lee because he knew he knew of June Tao as the as the main criminal mastermind in in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So as they are scoping this restaurant where they're told June Tao is, they play the radio again, and this time it's Edwin Starr. War. War. Yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely not. No, no, name by no war. Everybody knows war. Who? Yeah. Well, it is a good for absolutely nothing. Good guy, you are. Great song. And it's such a good song. We get a, almost like a little bonding montage between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of nice. And so uh, we also kind of randomly learned at this one point where Jun Tao, Jun Tao killed Lee's partner. I don't know why they had had that line in there. You know, we never saw that wasn't in that first scene, was it? No, that we remember. No, it wasn't. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I would wish it was because they didn't really dive any further deep into it. You know, there was nothing like that. You know, in the rest of the movie, and so I was like, eh, why mention that if you know if it if it didn't come back around at all? Um, I guess they're just trying to make it you know more of a personal issue for Lee, but it already was personal because Jun Tao has Su Young and he loves Su Young like a daughter, and so it's like I don't know. It just it just it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere where I kind of wish there would have been a little bit more setup or something. But they also, I do want to say they have a cute little back and forth about basically my daddy can beat up your daddy <laughs> kind of thing. Cause <laughs> yeah. both of their, both of their dads were cops and they're all just like, uh, uh-uh, my dad was a better cop than yours. Oh, uh, my dad can beat up your dad. It was just, it was good. Were you ever, did you ever get into those kind of discussions when you were a kid? Do you remember? I don't think so. See, I don't feel like I did either. Yeah. Now, granted, I, I'm certain my dad could beat up all y'all's dad. <laughs> um, I know this, but I just don't remember doing that as a kid, really. Yeah, I don't remember that either. <laughs> yeah. Carter goes and tries to tries to go into this restaurant to try and find Jun Tao. Um, we see that in this scene, it's the British businessman, Griffin, that we saw in Hong Kong. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> He's Jun Tao. Oh, God. But because they recognize... Because they recognize Carter and Lee, they get Su Young out of there. Jun Tao leaves as well. Griffin leaves as well. So then they kind of bring up, you know, Carter to go meet with the quote unquote Yun Tao as they're bringing him up there. We get this, we get this, another great, very trailer moment when he's like trying to talk to me. He's like, which one of y'all, which one of y'all is Jun Tao? Which one of y'all? And then you just get this kick, this, this like <laughs> leg kick out of nowhere and just knocks him up. And it, it's just. I don't know. It's it, I absolutely remember that from the trailer yeah. watching this one. I was just like, "Oh, that's a cute moment." Yeah. But yeah, so they kind of beat up on him a little bit and Sang, you know, throws a handkerchief on him and says, "Now wipe yourself off. You're bleeding." And that's going to be a line that's going to come back. Yep. In comes Lee at this point and there's another fight scene. You know, they end up fighting their way out of that restaurant, but they end up blowing it up. And it uh, gets a whole bunch of damage with it. So uh, so this ends up kind of pissing off the FBI and the consulate because they're seeming to do more damage than good right now. And so he basically says to send Lee home. 
Sang calls again to make like a new meetup for the money. Carter, you know, then tries to go stop Lee from the airport. We also see Griffin is at that consulate's place. And of course, at this point, we know he's Juntao, but he's trying to like, uh, he's trying to goad the uh, the consulate into just paying the money and shit like that. He's just being an ass, you know, and we know it. And we're like, damn it, just kill him. Just kill him now. <laughs> so this new drop is supposed to happen at this big Chinese like history exhibit, basically of all this kind of confiscated art that uh, has now is now kind of being out and about for like a Chinese history thing. I do love uh, Chris Tucker pops in and he immediately he's a smart we know he's a smart cookie. We've seen this a couple times. He's a little bit misguided on the way he does things. You know, he does things his own way. Yeah. He's a bit of a, a rebel. A loose but cannon, he's always as it were. A loose ca- exactly. But he's got his own he's got his own methods. He knows who Jun Tao is. Yeah, he, he you know, at this point that he's kind of realizing um they're realizing who Jun Jun Tao is and and just you know all this stuff. So Carter yells out that there's a bomb threat and all these like people are right, so they have to scatter. Um, but Jun Tao is exposed from this, and so Lee realizes it, and so Jun Tao ends up pulling out a C4 trigger, which is wired to Su Young, and he's like, "If you guys come at me, give me my money, or I'll blow up Su Young." Carter kind of sneaks off to go find her. I love that he get a little comeback. He uses that gun trick that um, Lee used on him back in, I think, on Hollywood Boulevard, yeah, and where he pulls it off, and you kind of see in that montage where they're becoming friends of him learning it. So he uses that. He ends up finding Sue Young uh, in the back of a truck who does have a whole bunch of C4 on her and it can't be removed or it'll explode. So what does he do? He drives the van into the exhibit, like bust through this wall. <laughs> like that was probably one of the last things I would do is just like, hey, you have this massive explosive on you. I'm going to start making sure it's as bumpy as hell and driving through walls. But whatever. So Carter brings basically Sue Young in as leverage, you know, right in front of Jun Tao. He's like, hey, if you're going to blow her up, then you're going to go with her kind of a thing. But Agent Johnson or the the LAPD Johnson, who we've seen as, you know, has some bomb explosives knowledge. She's there as well. And so she has to uh, she's trying to try to work on, you know, dismantling the C4 on Sue Young. We get um, a whole firefight going on, guns going off everywhere. Jun Tao kills some federal agents, including he shoots uh, Ralston's character. Now, I didn't have a lot of confidence in Elizabeth Pena's character as she was cutting the wire right. for Sue Young. She almost did eeny, meeny, miny, mo, And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? She, You're supposed to be this. She didn't yeah. almost do it. That's exactly what she did. Why would she? It feels like it would have been smarter to not cut any than doing eeny, meeny, miny, mo Because it wasn't a guarantee that Juntao was going to explode her. I, but I don't know what the to chance- tell you. The chances of it going off of cutting the wrong wire seem to be like 75% that you were going to hit the wrong wire and you were going to blow up. Or you try and just give a headshot to Jun Tao and make sure he can't hit the trigger. I would have gone that method right. if it was me <laughs> and not any mini mini mo. But they get lucky because this is a movie and you're not going to blow up a 10-year-old Chinese consulate daughter. Yep. That would not go well. <laughs> it's a PG-13 movie. It's not R. So they take the, the C4 off of Su Young uh, there's, you know, then get some more, some fight scenes. I mean, this is all just kind of fight scene stuff. I'm not going to go for it beat through beat. And uh, uh, Lee ends up kind of climbing up and chasing Jun Tao to the, the the rafters and whatnot. And Carter also has his own little standoff against Sang, which he has a good little, you know, they some good writing comebacks where he's like, uh, Sang's like, Put your gun down. Fight like a man. What'd you say? Fight like a man. <laughs> um, which is what something that Carter said to him earlier. Yep. But they both 
ended up having extra guns, which, you know, uh, so they dropped their guns and then took another to try and shoot it. But Carter was just a little bit faster. Yep. And he shot him and he got him. And then a good callback. Carter throws a handkerchief onto Sang and said, Wipe yourself off, man. You dead. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> My daughter also thought that was hilarious. <laughs> she would. She's, she's going to be a dark cookie, that's for sure. <laughs> So while fighting on like this, the balcony kind of rafters area, uh, Juntao ends up dropping all this this money, which fifty million dollars fit into like one briefcase pretty early. I have no idea how much fifty dollars looks. Fifty million in person. When I say fifty thousand, yeah, fifty million. And they even specified we want twenty million in hundreds, twenty millions in twenties, and ten millions in tens, or whatever it was. Right. But I feel like with that breakdown, it would have been a lot more than just like one big briefcase. And it wasn't even a huge briefcase at that. I don't know. I remember seeing at one point um, a picture. Somebody had done a picture of what a certain amount of money looks like in a briefcase. Uh And it was like $1 million in like thousands, thousand dollar bills Uh was not that much. It was like two or three stacks. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, but that's thousand dollar bills. Like who's, who's using thousand dollar bills? And somebody who wants to be efficient. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. They don't <laughs> want to carry around three briefcases. They just want one small bag. Yep. <laughs> Smart. Uh, but anyway, he drops a whole bunch of money. I, I like that little bit of Carter grabbing it and kind of shoving some <laughs> into his uh, I'd, shirt. That's what I'd do. Absolutely. It's what I would do, too. If I had the option to, to get a little bonus, I would, too, John. Juntao ends up falling you know, he can't hold on to Jackie Chan or to Lee anymore. He ends up falling. The C4 vest kind of rips with him. I would say they got lucky that uh, it didn't that the explosive didn't go off along with Juntao as he fell into the uh, the bit the fountain down there. But we get a nice little confirmation from Carter where he's like, "Woo, you know he did." So now we know. Okay, <laughs> for sure he's gone. Um, but Lee's about to fall, and so Carter has to basically pull over this big banner to get him and catch him, and it works, and they fall, and more cuteness between the two of them. My son did like that scene. Because mm-hmm. he was like, oh, no, what is he going to do? And then he saw him pull the thing. And it was funny because at the end, it was like, my son went, oh, yeah, that would definitely work. Like, he was serious. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, not enti- I'm not sure about that, buddy. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. Well, good. He, he believes it. You know what? <laughs> he's going to he's gonna, we're gonna have to get him on the podcast sometime. <laughs> oh, don't, don't tempt him. He would totally love yeah. to. <laughs> I'd have to curb my <laughs> foul language. Yes. For sure. And I'm not sure what's nostalgic to a 10-year-old <laughs> right now. Or is he 11? He no, he's 11? 10. Oh, he's 10. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. We're wrapping things up. It's the end of the movie. Uh, Soo Young is safe. Carter is approached by the FBI with the job, and he turns it down because he's LAPD. <laughs> Just kind of funny. Uh, and Carter goes with Lee to Hong Kong, um, in, uh, you know, taking a little vacation. And... Uh, it's, it the movie ends with uh, Lee putting on some headphones and starting to sing Edward Starr's War again. War. Oh, Who? hell no. So it is. Don't give me another thing. Listen to me. Listen to me. Yeah. Funny. And then just like most Jackie Chan movies, we get those great Jackie Chan bloopers. Yep. While the credits roll. Love, love that. And it's not just Jackie Chan. You get some Chris Tucker ones in there too and things like that. But I always love that with Jackie Chan movies because seeing like the, the, the inside, you know, portion of how they do this stuff, you know, so much of it gets screwed up. Oh, yeah. And it is tough. Yeah, but it's really cool. I mean, I kind of flew through that. But I mean, with a lot of action movies, there's just quick 
one-liners like you know plot is just kind of moves pretty quick with some stuff but um how about how about you start us off you know and, and i'd love to hear you know the overall thoughts of what your family thought of this one as well since you showed it to them um uh, I'm not sure my kids were that into it. I think actually the the cursing was a bit of a turnoff for both of them. They're they're not really big mm. on that on the language. So um, I think they, they they had some funny parts, but I I don't anticipate them ever, you know asking me ever again to watch that movie. Maybe when they're older, maybe when they're teenagers, might be something I go back to. And and maybe maybe when they're older, I'll do like a Jackie Chan deep dive with them. Mm-hmm. I'll watch some some of his other stuff as well, but um, for me it was it was fun. The movie was exactly what I remembered it as. Um, I mean, I was pretty much seventeen when this movie came out, so I I remember probably going to see it in the theater with friends or with family. It's it's a it's a fun Jackie Chan action movie. You know, you get Jackie Chan's action, you get Chris Tucker's comedy, and together it makes a fun movie. Wholeheartedly agree. I thought this was a wonderful blend of action and comedy. The dynamic between the two of them works really well. The humor, though you can really nitpick and pick it apart and be like, well, this is not as, you know, not as sensitive as it should be. Some of it's dated, yeah. Yeah, some of it's dated, but at the same time, like, I, I, I also understand comedy for comedy, and I thought this really worked. I found myself laughing at this stuff. I, I really liked it. Um, as you mentioned, Jackie Chan really brings the validity to the action, mm-hmm. and Chris Tucker brings the validity to... Um, you know, his comedic moments and uh, just such great energy in this film between the both of them. One thing I wanted to call, I thought the pacing of this movie was just about perfect. Yeah, it was pretty good. They 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 have very quick setup with Jun Tao and Jackie Chan, and then they kind of get into the action. They get into the plot. Uh, this is a movie I could just absolutely see myself, you know, watching um, and just really, really enjoying at any time. And so I was extremely happy with, really the overall just the entire package of rush hour so this is a movie i really enjoyed watching right now even though i had to like break down the notes it was still so much fun and it made me want to be like you know what anytime anyone wants to watch rush hour even if it's like tomorrow i don't care (laughs) i would watch this again and be like yeah i'd have a good time yeah wipe yourself off john you just got blast from the past (laughs) that wasn't that was not good All right, now we're going to talk Jackie Chan Adventures. This show ran from 2000 to 2005, a total of five seasons, 95 episodes, and it ran on Kids WB. I completely forgot that this this had so this had 95 episodes. That is a like that is a good run. Yeah, it's a solid run. Yeah, I watched this show when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it came out when I was probably in either seventh or eighth grade. You know, I was still watching, especially action cartoons at that time. Yeah. Um, and so I absolutely watched the first few seasons. I don't think I kept going on to definitely not through 2005 because I graduated high school in 04 and I wasn't watching this one still at that point and into college. But this is definitely a, a show I watched earlier on and, and I enjoyed it. Um, what about you? Did you did you watch uh, Jackie Chan Adventures much? Um, I did in college i had a roommate who actually really enjoyed this show and so uh, he nice. turned me on to it so um i i watched it probably i started watching it towards the end of its run but i was watching probably mostly like syndicated episodes and stuff like that mm, so mm-hmm. um, i never really watched it continuously to know like the whole long story but i did watch quite a few episodes so i did i, I did remember it pretty well Good, good. Yeah, we're both familiar with the show from our past. This show was created by John Rogers, 
who wrote the movie The Core, if anyone knows that. He also wrote on the show Cosby, which is not The Cosby Show. It's another show with Bill Cosby and also starred Felicia Richard, funny enough, as his wife on that one. Um, but they weren't playing the Huxtables. They were playing a different family called the Lucas family. Huh. It, it lasted for, I think, also 95 episodes. And it was somewhat popular. It wasn't the same popularity as the Cosby show, right. for sure. Um, but I just thought it was kind of funny. I was like, wait, Bill Cosby and Phyllis Richard in another show <laughs> playing husband and wife, but it's not the Huxtables? That's that's just kind of strange. Yeah. Um, the cast on this show, Jackie Chan is voiced by James C. <laughs> and not Jackie Chan. <laughs> But you also need wisdom to know when challenges are too big. Courage without wisdom is foolishness. Understand? You might know him. He's done uh, some of the Kung Fu Panda TV shows. He was also a small character on King of the Hill, but a reoccurring one. He's just had tons of credits, honestly, and so a lot of stuff that he did. Uh, the Jackie Chan real human was also on this show. Um, obviously, he played himself. He would appear at the end of each episode answering kind of, you know, little interview questions from kids that kids would send in. Yeah. Stuff like that. Or giving, like, little lessons or stuff like that. Jade was voiced by Stacy Chan. Oh, let me help. Uncle's my uncle, too, I think. She didn't do much besides this. She actually stopped acting after this show. No. Um, so this was really one of her only real big things. Uh, the uncle was voiced by Sab Shinmo. You did not make coffee this morning. Coffee is the only thing keeping uncle's ancient heart beating. You want dead uncle? No. Then you make coffee. Um, he's got lots of smaller parts, and I think if you saw him, you would absolutely recognize him. Um, I actually probably most recognize him from the Michael Keaton movie Gung Ho, which is the <laughs> uh, it's a car making movie. I liked it when I was younger, but it wasn't. It's not a really popular movie, but that's uh, that's the, the thing I probably remember him best from. The uncle would always have his little catchphrase. I, I totally the second he first said it, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's what the uncle does." Uh, where he would always go, "One more thing," <laughs> uh, and then he'd just keep adding up to yeah. it. That's just part of his comedy. He the uncle had a whole bunch of uh, catchphrases. Fair enough. <laughs> we were actually saying them. My wife apparently was a fan of the show as well because when I started watching this, she told me she goes, "We're watching this in order." Okay. <laughs> so we started from the beginning because it's on Crackle right now. So we were watching yeah. it from the beginning. But like, I was, the, I also watched it on Crackle. Yeah. So the the one like, uh, uh, oh god, uh, Jackie. Yeah, he would. Magic say exactly must like defeat that. magic. Which all three of those are ones I've said like randomly in conversation before. Usually to people who don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Toru, uh, the really big guy, was voiced by Noah Nelson. Your uncle is fine for now, Mister Chan. But every hour, I do not possess the shield. Which, uh, he's had a plenty of, like, small parts, but what I best remember him from, he was the voice of the male orcs in the video game Skyrim. All right. I'll go kill this giant. Unless, of course, you'd like to make some extra gold. And the second I saw that on IMDb, and then I, like, I could hear it, I was just like, oh, yes! You're all the orcs in Skyrim! <laughs> totally get that. Clancy Brown played Captain Black. He also voiced um, Ratso. Section 13 was founded to investigate large-scale international crimes. Crimes which, it seems, can often be traced to a syndicate called the Dark Hand. And we know Clancy Brown, and we love Clancy Brown from Shawshank Redemption, Starship Troopers, and actually, to, he's probably most famously as Mr. Krabs <laughs> in uh, the SpongeBob show, yeah. which is... Very funny to think about. And then uh, Valmont was voiced by Julian Sands. Yes, but three of my enforcers, armed with high-tech weapons, were defeated by an 
archaeologist. He's done tons of credits. Um, I probably recognize him best from Ocean's 13, but he's just got tons of tons of smaller parts and things like that. Uh, and then on top of that, some other great voice actors and just a bunch of huge names. I'm just going to rattle them off because this is a cartoon and there's tons of voice acting names. John DiMaggio, James Hong. You know I love me some James Hong. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, you, we both do from uh, Big Trouble in Little China. And he was also in uh, one episode of uh, Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. Cartwright, he was in the Cartwright episode. <laughs> so go check out Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast if you want to hear me more talk about James Hong. Andre Brower, Maurice LaManche, Ron Perlman, uh, Carlos uh, Alizraki, Jim Cummings, Kalina... Colleen O'Shaughnessy, Dan Castellaneta, George Takei, Billy West, Lucy Liu, Miguel Sandoval, Robbie Rist, and a whole bunch of other people, including Frank Welker. Yep. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> he did some voices. I think he was on like a five total episode, something like that. So always happy to see the Welks. And uh, Jackie, uh, the character of Jackie Chan, it wasn't based on Jackie Chan's real life. It was a cartoon on a fictionalized version yeah. of Jackie. And so in this version, he is an archaeologist ripped straight out of Indiana Jones style. <laughs> like they're just like, I'm sure the pitch was we want Indiana Jones with Jackie Chan. Yeah. And so that's kind of like what he was, but he had to like become partners with this secret agent group called Section 13 that was led by Augustus Black. Um, and they had to deal with this criminal organization called the Dark Hand as they were searching for these mystical talisman. Um, the Dark Hand was led by Valmont, who is really under the thumb of this evil spirit Shendu. And uh, the Dark Hand used these kind of warrior ninjas called the Shadow Khan as well, which I actually kind of like. They're they're you know somewhat reminiscent of, you know, of like the Foot Clan or other yeah. stuff. Like I mean, they were just another random ninjas to get beaten up. Yeah, <laughs> is what they were. There was a lot of mystical elements with this show. You know, a lot of that magic and things like that. A lot of it dealing with um, Chinese magic and mythology, yeah. which is nice. Stuff that, um, you know, a lot of Western people might not know about. Uh, Jade, the character, was his niece, but not really. In episode one, the uncle says, oh, she's your cousin's kid who your cousin thinks will be better off with you. And I'm like, so she's not his fucking niece. <laughs> she's his first cousin once removed. Yeah. Just say first cousin. Wa- oh, first cousin once removed instead of Uncle Jackie or... <laughs> Niece, but but I guess that's not as uh, hip, yeah. You know, or not not as hip. It's not as easy as just saying niece, but yeah. Maybe it's a cultural thing. I'll go with that because I would never go to our cousins' kids and be like, "Oh, Uncle Adam." I don't know. Maybe some people might. If you're if you live close together, maybe that, yeah. That's a, that's I, a thing. I, sometimes I think uncle gets just used as an honorary title. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that. I want to talk a little bit about the theme songs on this one and the opening theme song. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's very kind of rocking guitar style. Very, It felt very early 2000s to me. Yeah. fine it was nothing special uh the ender song did you listen to the ender song by chance i didn't pay attention it was terrible <laughs> not a fan of it Gotta like it, Jackie. 
but it was actually done by the band Weedus. Weedus, you would remember, because they did the song, I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Oh, Jesus. Because I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Yeah, I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Listen to Iron Maiden, baby. Will you be? Yeah. So they, so besides Teenage Dirtbag, Weedus is, uh, I guess, well known for the Jackie Chan song. I guess <laughs> at the end of that one, which is not a good song. So don't listen to. They it. Obviously, weren't that well known for that song because I couldn't name yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, the animation on this uh, show was pretty solid. I actually, I had no issues with yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those older ones I do kind of pick apart, but this one just looked good, and I I watched it very comfortably, you know, without seeing you know bad frame rates or anything like that. I thought it was uh, it was pretty damn solid. So, um, I, I yeah, basically holds up. I will say Jade's character design; she had some of these hugest eyes <laughs> I've ever seen. Like it was almost like an anime style of her eyes that how big they were. Yeah, and they did that with a couple of the different children, including uh, Paco was this other this um, Mexican child that you would meet every now and then with uh, uh, the episode with the the El Toro yeah. guy. But uh, so the show also had it spawned a comic book that ran in the UK for 80 issues mm. starting in 2004. But the comic book was basically just every episode of the show. Oh, <laughs> or, or most most episodes. Yeah, it was just kind of redone into a comic book form. Um, There's also a video game that came out uh, based on Jackie Chan Adventures uh, that was on Game Boy Advance and then later PS2. OK. Do you have any other thing? I don't really have anything else to mention about the show, I guess. I guess, yeah, you get a lot of those mystical, just magical stuff where Valmont, you know, um, is, is kind of like talking with this, you know, Shen, Shen, I almost said Shenron, Shenron's the dragon from Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> which one is it? Uh, Shenru, I think is what it is in this one. And they're all trying to like just get these magical abilities and all the stuff for this talisman to try and, it felt very Indiana Jones, which I thought worked really well um, because it just kind of turned it from either like the other cultures, like South South American kind of cultures or Arabic cultures, things like that, that are, I guess, Christian Christian culture or whatnot, that uh, a bunch of different stuff that um, Indiana Jones was for. But this was kind of more directed towards the Chinese side and Chinese Zodiac and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm just going to go into my final thoughts. Sure. I know that's kind of plowed through, but um, I was happy enough watching this show. I still think it's pretty cute. Watching it on Crackle kind of pissed me off because they had a lot of ads on Crackle. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, more so than like regular TV, and that actually really bothered me. I don't think I'd go back and watch Jackie Chan Adventures as an adult on my own. But if I had a kid who was into action shows, I would absolutely show it to them. I thought a lot of the stuff really held up just fine. The comedy was pretty good. Like the uh, the action, you know, the the action cartoon style mm-hmm. was solid. The voice acting was really good. And, uh, yeah, I had a good time watching it. I just don't think it was, like, really, you know, really gripping me to watch more myself. But, you know, you, as a father, mm-hmm. who watched it with – it sounds like your your wife is a fan. Yeah. I, so I assume you guys watched it as a family. Yes. How how did that go? And then what were your final thoughts from that? Uh, I think it went over fairly well. It's kind of hard to – especially with cartoons, it's kind of hard to gauge my kids because sometimes, like – They'll sit there and watch an episode, but I I can't tell if they're paying attention mm-hmm. because, you know, they, they get squirrely. 
Um, but to, to lead as an example, we watched a couple episodes of, of Jackie Chan. I watched a couple episodes with my daughter, and then uh, I stopped, and I was going to watch something else, and she goes, or we, I was flipping through Crackle, and she saw The Critic. She goes, oh, can we watch The Critic? I love that one. I was like, what? <laughs> like, that was out of left field, because she gave me no indication uh-huh. when we watched it, you know, when we talked about it, mm. that she enjoyed it, but she did. So it's, uh, it's, it's getting harder and harder to tell with them. Because <laughs> also they'll they'll just be like okay they'll like they, if they like something they'll just wait until they're on their own with their iPad and just mm. go find it and watch it themselves. Yeah, well, I mean, I've never had kids. Um, maybe maybe one day, but from what it sounds like, John, it doesn't sound like when they get older they're going to be more forthright with what they're going to be. They're probably going to just keep things to themselves and hide <laughs> stuff, more stuff from you. So uh, with my daughter, yes. Yeah, okay. my son, he's he's a little bit more uh, honest. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes to the point of a fault, like to the point where uh, like he is, he's always afraid of getting in trouble, mm-hmm. which is weird because he doesn't get in trouble all that much. He just, yeah. he'll, he does things and then he'll, he'll tear up like he's, he's afraid yeah. he's in trouble. I'm like, buddy, it's not that big of a deal. He hates trouble. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh gosh, sorry for the diatribe, but uh, we had like one of those little trays that you put like if you're having serving like for breakfast in bed or something like that. Yeah. That we had because you know on like Mother's Day or my wife's birthday, the kids like to make breakfast in bed for my wife, and I he and I were goofing around, and he fell and basically shattered that tray and was freaking out that my wife was gonna yell at him, and I'm like, buddy, it wasn't even your fault. <laughs> it was an accident, but it was partially my fault because he was he was, was doing that thing where like I was holding onto his arm and he was pulling back and then I let go and he fell backwards. Uh-huh. I was like, did you pick it up and smash it on purpose? He was like, no. And I'm like, then you're not in trouble. Yeah. I'm like, I'm telling you, you're not in trouble. Well, <laughs> apparently apparently he fears the mother more, <laughs> more than, than you, John. I guess so. Well, one thing that I thought before, before you, I guess before you give your, your final thoughts, one thing that I, I think, at least I think probably helped probably us enjoying the show when we were younger is, you know, this came out in 2000 and you and I had already known Jackie Chan a little bit by then. You know, we've seen a couple multiple things. And so we already had a positive association with Jackie Chan going into this show, which I think only helped enhance it probably for us, make it a little bit better. Um, Did you watch this show before Rush Hour? Did you watch Rush Hour and then this show? Just curious. You mean for this? Yeah. I watched the the show first and then Rush Hour. See, I... I did the same thing. So I'm curious if like your kids would have watched some of those other Jackie Chan movies and kind of gotten a fun association with them if they would have liked this show a little bit better because they have that tie like how we did when we were younger. I don't know. I don't know. I don't All know. right. Well, uh, then what's uh, what are your final thoughts on Jackie My Chan Adventures? final thoughts were I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I thought nice. it, was, it was it was funny and clever, and um, we watched like four or five episodes, uh, the first four or five episodes, and we'll probably continue on a little bit. I'm not uh, I'm not sure how much, but my my wife was excited to watch it with me, so we'll probably watch a few more episodes. We might jump ahead a little bit because I I do remember, and we cast I guess we'll cast we'll talk about, but uh, um, Toru at the beginning, mm-hmm. or, you know, in the in early in the season, he's a bad guy, but later he switches and becomes yeah. a good guy. Yeah, I think he actually is like becomes the apprentice of uh, uncle yeah. of the uncle, and like kind of they're they they have a nice little dynamic, and he's kind of learning magic and shit from him, which is really cool. Yeah, so I really enjoyed it. I recommend it to anyone who is a Jackie Chan fan, uh, anyone who has kids. It's a nice little. I think maybe it's a nice little introduction to Jackie Chan. So I would mm. go the opposite way, especially for a younger kid. Okay, especially because I my well you know. 
Rush Hour is a bad example. I could probably go back and show them <laughs> something like Rumble in the Bronx, where there's probably a lot less uh, uh, yeah. cursing. I think those movies are actually PG, even, and not even PG-13. Okay. Um, like the, the first strike in Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it, so I would totally recommend it to anyone who has a nostalgic love of it or just likes Jackie Chan in general. Yeah, I think that's completely valid. But one more thing, John. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I think this is a this is a fun show. Okay. <laughs> This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... And now let's do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned, we are going to be casting Jackie Chan Adventures into a real-life movie or television show or however we decide to do it. Now, the interesting thing about this is there is only one Jackie Chan. As you kind of mentioned with the cartoon, we're seeing Jackie Chan more as a character, not Jackie Chan the person. So, I mean, obviously, we might have to re name it to something else or something like that yeah. but essentially we're just going to take the show and cast it into live action not having Jackie Chan be played by Jackie Chan Yeah. Uh, so we will do the characters of Jackie, Jade Uncle Chan, Toru Captain Black and Valmont let's go ahead and start with Valmont who is the, uh, the bad guy and Adam I'll let you kick us off I don't think you're going to like my casting and, and there's probably a lot of cool people who can be like a be a perfect Valmont. Um, but it's funny, when I was watching this show, I was just getting vibes. Now, Valmont's, I think, he had a British accent in the show. And so my guy is American, so maybe he'd have to put on a British accent. That's fine. But I was just getting some hardcore Christian Slater vibes that I couldn't turn <laughs> away from it. And so so I was like, man, I just got to cast Christian Slater as my Valmont. Yeah, and I'd be happy with that's that. That's not a bad choice. Okay. That's not a bad choice. Would you? I mean, would, just kind of like that greasy slick was, back hair. I was say, would you just, do the long hair and the ponytail with him? I to, I totally would. Okay. With Christian, I think it totally fits with his with that style. I agree. So, unfortunately, I don't think the long slick back hair will fit with my choice. I mean, maybe mm. if we put a wig on him, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the type of guy who would wear a wig, uh, mostly because he's kind of balding. Uh, my guy is British. He's not necessarily known for playing bad guys all that often, but I kind of just went with him because I thought he worked well for the idea and I went with Jason Statham. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be I'd be interested to see. I mean, I'm sure you could... I think you could do like the, the slick back kind of hair. Have like the wig on him. And it, granted, we all know he's bald yeah. as, as, a, as a pool ball. Um, but it totally works. Yeah. Well, because, uh, yeah, I, I, that makes me kind of think of... Um, what was it? Uh, I think it was 
Blade 2. Now, it wasn't Jason Statham, but a guy who has a kind of similar style, Luke Goss, uh-huh. played um, the... I think it was like this vampire villain in uh, in Blade 2, and, and he's bald as hell, too. But he had like this long white hair that was super slicked back and I think would fit. Okay. And I think... So, so I'm basically taking that head, yeah. uh, that hair, and just putting it on um, Jason Statham, and I totally think it fits. Okay. I just thought so I'm, the, I'm cool with that. I, okay, I just thought the attitude of Jason Statham would work yeah. for Valmont. Yeah, I'm cool with that. All right, uh, let's go to Captain Augustus Black. Uh, I'll jump in with mine. I'll be kind of honest. I didn't put too much thought into this. I just kind of saw this actor, and I was like, yeah, this guy could, could do it. Um, I haven't really seen him in too many things lately. Uh, he kind of disappeared off the radar for a few years there. He was really big in the uh, early 2000s and... Maybe even the late 90s, I can't remember. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you got to have a, a token cop, token detective. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he's not really a cop. He's a, is it FBI yeah. or CIA? Uh, section, section, section 13, 13 there, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, I went with Ryan Philippi. Oh. Oh, okay. I like that. He's about the right age now. He's older and he's probably mid 40s or something like that. So he could play, he could play, he a, ca- just head of, you know, have detective in an agency or head of an agency or whatever. I think that's a really good. A really good representation of the cartoon, you know, just put in human form. He kind of has that look of of, of uh, Agent Black for sure. Yeah. Although Agent Black was yeah. bald in the cartoon, I don't know if I'd want Ryan yeah. Philippi to be bald. Yeah, I'm not sure that's necessary. Yeah, that's probably well, not. I agree. Uh, all right, I went with uh, an actor who, honestly, with Captain Black, you can put anybody. In my opinion, you could. This is this yeah. was this was the role that I felt I could twist the most, yeah. and I thought about maybe I'd want a female in this role even. Um, but ultimately, I went with an actor who I like a lot, and I want to see him in more things. And so I just think, you know what? I'm just going to insert him here, and um, I- I'm sure he could be kind of like – he's definitely been badass um, in when I saw him uh, in Walking Dead. And so I think he could be pretty badass as uh, Captain Augustus Black. I went with uh, Lenny James, who plays Morgan in Walking Dead. Morgan is the guy that Rick – like met really early on. Oh yeah. And then he came back, he, he had his son and he lost his son. Yes. And then he came back and as like a real kind of hardened badass later. Yeah. With the staff and everything. Exactly. And so I was just like, you know what? You can be pretty hard. And I, and I kind of want to make my captain black a little bit harder. Uh, and so I, and I just, overall I like him and I want to see him in more stuff. So like that. that's all I, I like that with. call. Okay. I like that call cool. a lot. Yeah. I liked that character too. He was exactly, he was a, he was a good character. All right. Now, for me, the one that was the hardest one to cast, <laughs> big, big time, and I say big by every span. I was, I was searching for big people, <laughs> and I had so much trouble, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Uh, so Toru, my first thought was, I wonder if Yokozuna is still alive, <laughs> and he is not. He died in like the year two thousand yeah. or something. Or <laughs> I, I totally looked at Yokozuna as well. <laughs> So there really wasn't uh, uh, anyone else. There was one guy I thought of who is uh, actually Samoan, and then I looked and he's lost a lot of weight, so I was like, well, that doesn't really work anymore. <laughs> um, so I, I ended up going with another Samoan actor who, um, or he, he might be Hawaiian, uh, but definitely you know Pacific Island, uh, who's done a few things. Uh, he kind of has the right look. I don't know how tall he is. Is the only problem. Mm-hmm. I don't. We're not going to find anyone who fits that right. You know, because they bl- yeah. they they blow everything out of proportion in a cartoon. Exactly. But I mean, as a as a movie show, you or as a movie, you can use camera, you know, lenses, mm-hmm. um, and, and placement and some tricks. Or you know, maybe he shot on some green screen that other people, and he's just enlarged compared to other people. Yeah. 
Because yeah, I, I had a, I had a real tough time trying to find someone who I thought fit that. Yeah. <laughs> that so stature. the guy I went with has found a, kind of a career in the sort of rebooted television shows that are filming in Hawaii right now, which are like the Hawaii Five O reboot and the Magnum PI reboot, both of which the shows take place in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a good looking uh, actor for what I want for Taro. So hopefully it fits. His name is Taylor Wiley. Oh. Yeah, I remember him from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. He was the really large guy in in that show. Okay. Forgetting Oh my god, you're right. Between Hawaii Five O, MacGyver, and Magnum PI, <laughs> like all of those he's been in all of those. Yeah. Like he loves like those rebooted CBS uh cop dramas. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what whatever whatever works in Farrah's career, right? So Yeah. Plus they're probably I think they're all filmed in Hawaii, so Okay. That, or at least the at least Hawaii Five O and Magnum PI are. All right, cool. I'm all for that. He's a big dude. Okay. He's a funny kind of guy, and, and this is you know it's this keeping a comedy action stuff. I could bet if he put on like an angry face, he could be as intimidating as Toru. Ah, cool with that. Okay. Same with you. I had a real tough time. Toru is just his stature made it really tough to uh, figure out what I wanted, and so I first started looking up. Honestly, I typed in my Google search was really tall Asian actors, yeah. you know, or, or you know, that kind of thing, um, and I found not too many, you know, really tall, or, or the ones that I that I would find were like super tall and sexy yeah. and it's just like uh, i don't i'm not looking for like that leading man look yeah. in toru i need big and monstrous um and intimidating so i almost cast this guy who's not he's not wide he's a very thin dude uh but he's well he's pretty muscular i guess at times his name was um choi hong man um, but he is like a seven foot two mma fighter oh wow <laughs> and i was like i was like wow this guy is huge but there's no way he could act in my opinion <laughs> i just doubt it yeah and so I was like, well, maybe I'll cast him as the body and cast someone else as the voice. Um, but instead, I, I kept looking and I just ultimately was like, all right, they're going to have to do some camera tricks. Um, they're going to have to, you know, do some green screen or something, make him look bigger than he really is. Yeah. But I went with actually a Korean actor uh, and he's going to be in the upcoming Eternal mo- Eternals movie for Marvel. Okay. And he's got, I think, the intimidating look and he's got a, He's a pretty big, strong guy. And so I think that really helps. And so if you kind of size him up, um, his name is Madong Siokum. And I know I butchered that, but um, I think he's got the the look that I'm looking for. In my Toru. And he's got Andy's an actual actor with some good acting. Uh, and if Marvel believes in him, then I believe in him too. Okay. He's, he's the one who's playing Gilgamesh. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. As long as you make him look good on screen, he's... Uh, oh, he was in Train to Busan. I've not seen it, but I've heard nothing but amazing things about that movie. It's a it's a zombie movie. Oh, okay. Wow. The, the, whole, the whole movie takes place on a train, so... Look at some of his pictures, and you actually see some. He's got some muscles, yeah, for sure. In some of them, and so I was like, "All right, if you if you film this right, I, I'm hoping, you know, I, I'm betting he could be the right guy for me." Okay, cool. I'm cool with that. All right. Okay. All right. All right. So let's go on to Uncle Chan. Uncle Chan was actually the first one I cast. Me too. I'm gonna let you go first, then. I think there is only one answer. Oh. For Uncle Chan, I'm betting we're not the same person. But go ahead. <laughs> Oh, oh, who are you? Who are you thinking? I'm. Putting? I don't know, but it's definitely. I don't think it's definitely what I who I picked. Oh, I thought there was only one correct answer. Someone who has the comedy and the action, and his name's in the fucking show. I put Jackie Chan as my Uncle Chan. It's the only thing that fits in my opinion. I did think about that, but I decided not to to do that. Ah, uh, okay. I decided not okay. to do that. D- to me, uh, Uncle Chan was a little bit too like sort of lanky because he gets a little yeah. more. Uh, 
yeah, yeah. stuff. But I, that's that's a totally fair way to do it. If you know, okay. if he would agree to do it, because I mean, he's yeah, he's still huge in Hong Kong. I mean, he's got his yeah. he's got his uh, Hong Kong action school. Like he has a stunt mm. school for training stunt stunt guys in Hong Kong. I think it's Hong Kong. Might be Beijing. I'm pretty sure it's Hong Kong. Uh, but no, I did not go with Jackie Chan. Okay. But I did go with an actor who has proven himself a comedic actor in a martial arts movie. The one thing about him, he does not speak English. Okay. But I loved his character in uh, the movie I'm going to reference, and I think he, I thought he was hilarious. And you know what? If he doesn't speak English, maybe he just speaks to Jackie in Chinese. That could be really funny. And just getting <laughs> Jackie's responses, that might be hilarious, honestly. Um, but I really loved this guy as one of the landlords in Kung Fu Hustle. I went with Hua Yin. Kung Fu Hustle is hilarious. It's a great movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he does kind of have that uh, uncle look. Yeah. I, think, I think you kind of nailed the look <laughs> on that one. Yeah, he was really good. That that movie, god damn, that movie is awesome. I'm 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 all. That's a great. That's a great call. If 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 Jackie Chan was too busy, I think he made a great good choice. Okay, all right, I'll I'll take it. Uh, all right, now on to Adam's favorite part of the casting when we have to cast a child. <laughs> I was getting so angry doing this. Cast. I was just like, oh my god, I'm having trouble finding someone. But. I ended up someone I'm pretty damn happy right, with. I'll go ahead and jump in with mine. Um, I kind of had a kid in mind. It was somebody I had already cast in something before, but I've only used her once, so I figured I'd do it again. Mm-hmm. I looked at other a- actresses, but I think this is uh, this this girl's got um, enough experience yeah. in television, at least, to be able to uh, do this. I went with Aubrey Anderson Emmons, who uh, is from Modern Family. Yeah, she was actually the first person I wrote down for this role as well. I think I think she's a great call. She's obviously got the comedy chops, you know, being on Modern Family for as long as she has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a solid choice. It's not who I ended up going with, okay. but I, I like that call. Okay. So um, I ended up going with an actress who uh, she really doesn't have much uh, much experience. She doesn't. She she cannot top the Aubrey Anderson Emmons experience that she's got for Jade. So maybe that's you know. A, a poor casting on my call for this, but she's got um, the look that I'm looking for. She also speaks Mandarin and Jade in episode one just came from China. Yeah. So um, I think that that'd be kind of nice. So she would, I think could nail the accent. What I want, she was in Netflix's um, show Marco Polo, uh, but in, a, in like a small part on that, uh, her name is Jamie Chu. So I just, I think uh, she'd have to get worked with a little bit, you know, as an actress, she's not, cause she doesn't have everything that um, Aubrey does, but I think she's really kind of she really kind of looks like like the character from the the cartoon to me. Okay, yeah, without those big bulbous eyes. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's cartoon eyes for you. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. She's got the look. I mean, she's she did several episodes of Marco Polo, so yeah, which wasn't like a you know comedy thing or whatnot, no. but you know it. She, hopefully, that means she can act. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, most of the I think a lot of the times with these child. Uh, child castings kid kid castings we have to do as long as you nail the look it almost doesn't matter yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you're not you're not expecting perfect acting on this one now yeah. I, I would say you have the edge on that one with your choice so. okay uh all right now we're to our our main character jackie chan um i there's no one that i could think of <laughs> that is jackie chan so yep. you i but with the way camera works now and with training 
um, and how often actors train. I mean, if you if you've uh, if you've seen the picture that Kumail Nanjiani posted of yeah, he got he ripped. Got ripped. <laughs> you know, any anyone can 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 learn. So yeah. I wanted to focus on the comedy part and somebody who could kind of mm. nail that. Now, even though Jackie himself is not particularly funny in the show, he's sort of he's almost the straight man. It's sort of the things around him yeah. that are happening that are funny. Um, but I wanted somebody who could who would have that uh, timing. So I uh, went with a uh, he's a he's a Chinese uh, actor born in Malaysia, but he is he is Chinese. But he's he's actually best known to me for being on The Daily Show as one of the correspondents. But he's been in several TV shows. He was in Crazy Rich Asians, uh, and his name is Ronnie Chen. Okay, I don't I did I I don't think I saw him from The Daily Show. I. I wasn't as heavy of a Daily Show watcher as you were. I think um, he definitely. I can see a lot more comedy stuff on his. Yeah, he's a stand-up. He's a Trevor. He's Noah. a stand-up comedian. Gotcha. And I really, I kind of stopped watching with Trevor Noah. I just don't find Trevor Noah as as funny as John Stewart. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really watch much of John Stewart either. I watched it every now and then. I, 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 a, I like that take because it's a diff, different take than what I took. Okay. And so I, I'm not gonna bash it. I, I'm sure. I'm sure you can get that training in there. Okay. So that's cool. Um, I, I went with someone who I think has a little bit more of a martial arts background. Um, he may not have as strong of a comedy background, but I, I was kind of thinking of more of the Jackie from this show who is, isn't like the super comedy one. Yeah. I haven't seen, actually, I don't think I've seen anything that this guy has been in, but I'm again, putting my trust in Marvel. <laughs> and if you're going to be making a Marvel movie, you're going to be making one that has some comedy in it and some action in it. Um, and this guy is going to be our upcoming Shang-Chi uh, I went with uh, Simu, Simu, Simu Lu. Simu Lu. I, I fucked that up. I'm sorry. I think he's got the the exact look I'm looking for. I know he can do some martial arts stuff. If, if obviously Marvel's at least training him yeah. for Shang Chi, then he's probably has a background in it as well. So um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think he's he's my dude. But I'm I'm happy with both of those calls. Okay, that is that is definitely solid logic as far as going. Like, well, this guy's obviously got to do something, be able to do something as far as. Uh is martial arts and um, yeah, let's see. And yeah, they're not going to make a Marvel movie without some comedy in it. Yeah, of course they know their they know their formula. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was in Taken. Oh, that was the, yeah, re- not, the rebooted Taken. Yeah, this is a like I think. Oh, or, was that a movie or is that I don't a TV know. show? Actually, it might be a TV show. It's a TV show. Twenty six episodes. Oh, okay, so he was in that, but like I don't think it only lasted twenty six. He's got episodes. he's got quite a few uh, credits. So yeah, he does. he's been around for a little while. So yeah. Well, yeah, if Marvel trusts them, then you can't go wrong with that. And that's that's my thought process. That's, that's a solid sure. one. And he probably he would probably do a better job as far as all the action stuff on maybe. the show. And who knows? Maybe he can nail maybe. the comedy. I mean, I can tell you, after watching Parks and Rec for like those first couple seasons, I didn't think Chris Chris Pratt was going to be an action <laughs> dude. And then he certainly has become that. Yeah. So, all right, that was our uh, casting of a Jackie Chan Adventures movie. Please join us next time for another album review episode. In our next episode, John becomes a giant tool and Adam gets an enema. Well, not really, but we review Tool's album, Enema. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. 
Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back.